Hello audience, quick content note, this episode contains accounts of sexual violence and harassment. Hello, Sac State students, and welcome to another episode of the State Hornet News Podcast. I am Robbie Pierce, your podcast editor, and I'm in the studio today with Ashton Byers. Uh, Ashton, could you tell me a little bit about the source that you talked to for this week's episode, please? Yeah, so Emily Kyle, she is a criminal justice major. She is a senior, and she was here telling me about her experience uh, filing a police report, and it turned into a case in which the DA dropped involving a sexual assault. Okay, thank you, Ashton. Without further ado, let's turn it over to you and Emily. All right. My name is Ashton Byers, and I am here with Emily Kyle. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Ashton. So um, can you tell me what your major is, a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm, a ma- I'm a criminal justice major, and I'm a fourth year. I'm graduating this semester, so I'm really excited for that. Okay, awesome. So um, what is your uh, your age and... I'm 20 years, 21 years old, and um, I was born in July. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience? I know that you were telling me a little bit about um, you had a, like a relationship, and it was kind of toxic. Um, can you just walk me through how all that? Yeah, so I met this guy in high school, and we started dating. And not long after we started dating, he started threatening to kill a friend of mine, and, you know, I didn't know how to react to that. That was my first relationship. So I kind of managed it and I tried to get him to go to counseling with me and soon he was threatening my life. And at that point there wasn't much that I knew that I could do. And I was already starting college. And so uh, pretty much the Christmas after I started college, the Christmas of my freshman year, he started raping me. And that continued until April of 2018. So do you feel like um, you stayed out of fear? Did you file a report right away or how did that all? I stayed because I felt responsible for the people that he could hurt if I left him. He had said that if I left him, he would kill me. And he had always thought that if I left him, I would leave him for that guy that he was jealous of and that he would kill him too. Um, So I kind of stayed out of a sense of responsibility towards myself and the people he would hurt. And... I reported a couple months after I left him because after like two years of that, you know, I I just wanted to cool off before I talked about it again with a cop. Mm -hmm. What year did um, you file the report and what was the incident that led up to that? So um, April, April of 2018 was the last time he raped me and, you know, I had had a busy year. So he I didn't get time to see him after that event very much. And during the summer, I finally broke up with him in early July, and I finally reported in October of 2018 because I knew that I was going to report. I just, I wasn't mentally there yet. I just wasn't ready to have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, where did you file the report with? Um, I filed the report with Officer Rice. He's um, a campus police officer, and I filed it in Riverview Hall in his office. Okay, where did the um, the last incident take place? Was in, in the dorms? In the dorms, yeah. Okay, and so how was that, after you filing it, how was that process? Um, so I, I haven't really, I haven't banned him from the dorms yet. I haven't done that because they have to send a letter to him telling him that he's banned from the dorms. So I'm afraid to send that letter through Title IX and get his attention and rile things up again because it's kind of been radio silence since then. 
But after I reported, um, I came in to talk to Officer Rice multiple times. When Officer Rice had to shift, uh, like swap his shift, I talked to Officer Diane Patton for a short time before moving on to working with a detective. And so like to shed a, bit, a little bit of light as um, it was for you reporting, so others that are thinking about maybe reporting, how was that process for you? So actually, I was really worried, you know, like talking to a man about sexual assault as a woman, but Officer Rice made me feel really comfortable. He was always offering me coffee and hot chocolate, and he was always pushing a bowl of chocolates toward me, and I felt like he really respected me if something happened to me again or if something happened to someone I knew and they were comfortable reporting, I would encourage them to go talk to him first. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, I have done so. So how was it with your family? Did you tell them anything or? So, um, I only told my mom, you know, I waited till a little while after the breakup to tell her because we were going through some stressful times as a family. Anyways, I ended up telling my dad kind of in the heat of the moment because he was treating me like a child and said that I didn't understand what a relationship was like. And I told him and he immediately just said, that's not rape. Mm -hmm. And he kind of, he apologized, but then he held me there and said that he thought my ex was a great guy and that he didn't want to demonize him and that quote unquote, we all make mistakes and mm -hmm. I have too. Do you so. feel like that's what makes it difficult for victims like trying to report because they're often not believed or they're also meant to be made out to be like a perpetrator themselves. Absolutely. My dad thought I was doing it for attention. Mm -hmm. He thought it was, I was just doing it because I had broken up with my ex and not because something had actually happened. Um, and it was really hard. I, I, you know, he had always said that he would protect me if anyone ever hurt me. It was really hard hearing that from him. And it, it really hasn't changed past that point. How do you think we can like change the stigma? Uh, I know the Me Too movement happened following the Harvey Weinstein investigation and all that, and people were coming forward. Um, what do you think needs to change so more people like you are willing to like tell their story? And honestly, I don't think that there's a lot of change that like the government can do other than like actually prosecuting the rapists when they're reported. I just think that people like me who who are comfortable and safe coming forward just should do so because the more personal stories people have of people who are close to them, the more empathetic they are and the more open they are to survivors' stories. Mm -hmm. So going back to that, when after you filed the report, how long did it take before you heard back anything as far as it being moved forward? It only took a week or so because I was coming in like, I was kind of talking to Officer Rice in increments because it was really stressful. So I would talk to him for like an hour or two for the initial report. And then maybe a week or two later, I would come in and talk some more. And like I would gather evidence, like I would gather text messages and Facebook messages and kind of compile them and just send them over to him. And then we would come and talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, but once it was time to do what's called a pretext call, it took quite a long time before I heard back again because that's hard information to get a hold of because, you know, phone numbers change and it's hard to find the correct one. So so what was it like doing a pretext call? How did you how did you go through that process? That was that was the hardest thing I've ever done. That was it, you know, my mom was worried that I would rile my ex up if I got a hold of him over the phone. Mhm. Mm um, there were multiple phone numbers that were incorrect and like strangers would answer the phone and I would, you know, I'd be all jittery. Oh, sorry, you know, and hang up. And even though I went in probably three or four times at least for pretext calls that didn't end up in like an actual phone call with my ex, 
And like every time, like I was shaky, you know, I was crying a little bit sometimes afterwards. Um, what were the phone calls like? How would he respond when you were calling? Do you, do you want to know like what happened when he finally answered the correct phone number? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, so at first he pretended not to be himself, and I just said, well, my name is Emily Kyle, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to reach my ex, so if this is his number, could you please let him know to contact me? And then he kind of broke his persona, and is like, what do you want? And so I started talking to him. I said, look, I kind of lied a little bit. I'm like, look, I'm with my therapist. I have PTSD from our relationship, and he kind of, his voice kind of got high, and he was like, what? And... I said, my therapist thinks it would be good if I understood why you never listened when I said no for sex. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of quiet. And I said, every time you wanted it and I didn't, I always said no multiple times for every single time that it happened. And you never listened to my no. Like after that one Christmas that you did listen, that was the last time that you ever listened to me saying no. And he said, well, you know, like... I guess I just wasn't taking you seriously. I didn't think it was a big deal. And that just struck me and I asked him because sometimes I would cry afterwards and he would hold me and I would talk to him and make him understand how bad this was affecting me and he would say, oh, I understand, you know, I'm really sorry. I've realized my mistakes and I won't do it again. He would sit down and hold me in his arms and tell me that he wouldn't do it again and that he understands how bad this was. Then he would do it again a week later. Mm -hmm. So... um, did you go to counseling for the, like, I know that there's weave, that you went to weave? Yeah, so when I was with him, um, I was actually going to counseling at Sac State. Mm-hmm. Every time something happened, I would go to counseling to, like, do damage control for myself, and I knew not to disclose too much because I didn't know, like, if I reported, I didn't know what he would do. So I only disclosed as much as I could, and my counselor knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. And he expressed a lot of concern for me. And I was really grateful for his support, like, despite the fact that I wasn't telling him everything. Um, And after I broke up with my ex when I was dealing with Tile 9 on campus, that's when I started going to weave because they recommended it to me. And then I mentioned it to my mom. And, um, you know, she was really invested in my recovery at that point. So she took me to my first triage before I hooked up with a counselor. Okay, so. so sounds like your mom was um, was pretty supportive. That's good. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. So when did you find out that the DA, did they take the case? How did that all go about? So after the pretext call, that was pretty much the last thing. You know, um, the detective sounded pretty hopeful mm-hmm. that with that confession, he had made multiple, like, different, differently worded that could that's basically a confession. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize, like, you were actually affected by this. It wasn't a big deal. Um, so... After the pretext call, it was radio silence for maybe a few months, two two months maybe. And then on the 16th of December, I got an email saying that, I'm sorry, the DA didn't take your case. So that means that I only got to talk to the cops. That's, what, as, when, that's as far as I got. What year and what month was this? Was this was uh, December 16th okay. of 2019. Okay. So that's as far as I got. I only got as far as the cops. Mm-hmm. So normally if they take the case, I actually get to speak in court and feel heard. And that's kind of, even though I kind of figured that I might not get a prosecution for that and put him on the sex offender list anyways, I had hoped that I could at least tell my story to a judge and feel heard, you know, and I get the, get the sense that I at least tried and they at least tried for me. And it it never even got that far. They just looked at my case and tossed it away. That's all. Right. Um, but 
how did you feel like pursuing the case in general? Did that did that kind of I mean, regardless, I know that it's sucks that I know that they dropped it, but do you feel like you were like I would do it again. Yeah, I would do it again. Yeah. I I do feel better, at least that the officers and the detective were all really respectful. And I felt like if people like them were working in the DA's office, I probably would have had at least a chance. Um, It was really nerve wracking. It was just constant anxiety. And I know that's kind of what kept me from reporting faster in the first place was just, I knew I was gonna be re-traumatized repeatedly. I knew that I was gonna be dealing with anxiety. It made my PTSD worse. You know, I've been, I, I kind of have been going through it. And when I got the news that the DA wasn't gonna take the case, like I had just finished like my group therapy for the night and I wished that I had read the email sooner. Mm-hmm. I like openly sobbed while I was waiting for the bus. And you know, it took me a couple weeks to come down off of the, that news, but I mean, it's over, you know, I'm trying, I'm just trying to move past it now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's about all I can do really, you know, he's still out there and he'd always told me that he, he, oh, I can never be alone. You know, I always have to be in a relationship. Oh, don't leave me. It's going to be so hard to move on. I know he's going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really the only reason why I even tried to do this with the cops is because the way he talked to me, the way he spoke to me, the things he admitted, the way he acted, he's just going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. And that's terrifying that like someday I could meet some other girl who was with him who went through the same thing. And I'll just have to say, I'm sorry. I tried, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think the good, the good news is that you did try. And I mean, that's the first step because I think, like you said, a lot of victims, they fear being re-traumatized. Yeah. Um, and also blamed, I think they call it, um, like, retaliation. And, yeah, yeah, you can get all that if it's, like, work-related or whatever the situation may be. Um, so uh, I know that I originally contacted you because I saw your post on Wildfire. Yeah. How did that – did that help people? Because I know there are people that came out a little bit with their stories um, from that. People were DMing me mm-hmm. and saying, you know, like, my rapist was the DA's son. And, like, mine was my best friend. And I, you know, I was so drunk I couldn't fight back. And, like, I got DMs and I was, like, trying to be supportive of people who, like, kind of mentioned it to me. I didn't keep, like, a long-term ongoing dialogue with these people, but that has happened before um, when I mentioned this to people. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the emotional labor of, like, dealing with other people's trauma is kind of, it's kind of tiring. But at the same time, it makes me feel good that I can be supportive and, and, and talk to people who've been through the same thing as me. Right, because probably there's a lot of people, unless they feel like, unless you've been through it, like, it can't talk to you, or they feel judged, or yeah, um, what have you. So, um, yeah, I think it's good that you came forward, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. Okay, that was Ashton and Emily, and there is a written story coming out, correct, right? Yes, there is, so stay tuned. All right, and until that story comes out it might actually already be out by the time this episode is posted but if not within a couple days so until then you can get round the clock news coverage at stayhornet.com real quick before we leave some other state hornet news headlines from this week tracy mapes the drone pilot suspected of dropping flyers featuring swastikas over the guy west bridge last year during the farm to fork festival has been deemed fit to face trial and has a trial date currently set for april 7th 
A student reported an attempted robbery at knife point while walking across the main quad at Sacramento State at approximately 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, according to a sent email from the Sac State Police Department. The student recounts running away from the robbery unharmed. The robber has not been found or identified as of press time. Another Sac State student reported being injured by a falling tree branch on Monday, just around 3 p.m. According to Sacramento Fire Captain Keith Wade, the student suffered injuries that were not life-threatening. Also, State Hornet has an interview with Waverly Hampton III, who is a Sac State student currently running for Sacramento City Council. The stories in this wrap-up and many more can be found on StateHornet.com. My name is Robbie Pierce, and I thank you for listening.